Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. And this is sort of a special segment of Remodeling Mastery that, quite frankly, I think is probably the most interesting and fulfilling for most of our listeners. And that's where I, I bring on an expert. I bring on an authority. I bring on someone that I think can help you either understand a topic, an issue, or quite frankly, just someone that's kind of been there, done it, that you can maybe try to emulate. Today, I'm going to be having a discussion with an expert and an authority in a topic that I'm finding in a lot of conversations I'm having with with uh, leaders in the remodeling business that, you know, it's a little bit of a mysterious topic. It's a little bit of, you know, a topic that quite frankly, some embrace and some don't. And that's the whole kind of subject of profiling or kind of understanding who is this person kind of behind the curtain. So my, my uh, guest and certainly conversation today is with Jeff Miller. He is the uh, leader and certainly the the chief within the uh, JM Consulting Alliance. And in addition to certainly working and coaching with clients, yeah, he's also an expert in understanding profiling, understanding how to get to that, you know, that true DNA of the person and then therefore uh, uh, being able to coach and guide clients along the way. So welcome, Jeff, to uh, Remodeling Mastery. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive right into it, you know, and I, I kind of like to, you know, start at a very broad level. And that is, you know, th- this whole notion of profiling and, you know, it almost sounds like it's some sort of a detective thing. Uh, you know, what can you give us kind of the a little bit more the summary of what it's all about and 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 maybe trying to understand a little bit about the uh uh the science itself sure so i mean it's i mean first of all you know so it goes back in really into the 1920s where people start talking and thinking about how do you evaluate the term wasn't human intelligence but human behavior and certainly you know within the uh within the workplace how do you maximize that not in terms of just for the sake of profitability, but how do you understand the people? And then as we moved into the 40s and 50s and 60s and the whole psychological aspect of it bloomed, um, I think one of the easiest ways of understanding the importance of it, and then we can get into you know, more detail, is you know, if we picture the old iceberg, right? Uh, when the Titanic hits it, it hits the bottom, not the, not the 20%. And the 20% is what we see the 20% of the decisions that people make and the actions that they take. But everything that makes that up is are the things that any good assessment is designed to uncover. What motivates your people? What are their beliefs? What are their behaviors? What are their skill sets? And, and those are any good assessment, whether it's four quadrant personality like this, or it's something based more on psychometric testing, which is more science-based, um, is designed in order to help you make those determinations. And then how do you use that not only in the hiring process, but then even more importantly, within the organization, utilizing and maximizing talent. Um, so I think, you know, certainly the the use of assessments now have become prominent. Um, and I, th- I think it's, it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing tool. Yeah. You know, when I was first exposed to this 
you know, I quite frankly, uh, I thought it was a little bit gobbledygook and therefore, you know, especially as it relates to like salespeople and all of that, that, you know, I didn't quite understand it. And then I remember the, the, the fella that represented this particular profiling kind of technology. He shared a story. Uh, certainly it was an appealing story uh, that helped me to really get it. And what he said was, he said, back in World War II, the Canadian uh, government was actually losing a lot of pilots in the war. And they were looking at kind of why were they losing so many pilots? And they were realizing that the young men that would come into training, they would just throw them into a generic pilot training. However, some pilots they realized were much, much better as fighter pilots versus bomber pilots. Mm -hmm. And by adding in this filter, this filter that really helped to understand a little bit more about their DNA, was this person, you know, someone that had a higher level of dominance or willing to take more risk or willing or the flip side of it, much more of a collaborative team oriented kind of DNA. It helped to put the pilots in the right seat. And as they finished out the war, they were losing a lot less pilots and, and less young young people dying. And I know as you know, as a you know, certainly a leader in business and growing a fairly significant business. Where this really became powerful is, to your point about the iceberg, Jeff, you oftentimes see certain things in an interview that, in fact, there's so much more to the story behind the curtain, and you don't know that that's going to be the case until kind of the true colors come out two, six, even a year into the relationship. And so help help us understand a little bit more maybe – about this, the science of it, you know, it, I know it's, there's, we call it science, but it's kind of mysterious because you can reveal, get these things revealed through, you know, through an assessment test. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in the world of assessments, there, there are two kind of two camps, if you will. Um, you know, one is more behavioral in terms of being based on four quadrant personality where it's just taking different personality types and segmenting them. So the most famous of that would be DISC, right? Dominance, influence, influencer, sta influencer stable, um, and, and, and compliance. Then there are assessments that are more science-based. They're, they're psychometric. Um, so they're more concerned with the theory and technique of psychological measurements. And then how do you apply that to behavioral aspects uh, and thinking styles and occupational interest. Can you uh, give us an example of the psychometrics and in, in terms of how it might reveal something that's a little bit more tangible? Sure. So I've, for instance, so, so one of the assessments I use uh, called Profiles XT, which met it's psychometric in a base thinking style, uh, behavioral and occupational interest and all in all 20 core competencies but it's breaking them all in, into isolation and then other reports connect the dots. And the things that you're looking at there uh, left for, with behavioral, you're looking at things like independence, assertiveness, sociability, uh, objective judgment, decisiveness, attitude, you know, and when you think about the importance, particularly, you know, in the world of, of remodeling and construction and sales, where it's all sales driven, 
if you can define as an organization culturally what you're looking for in your salespeople, and then you can find a tool that before you hire them, you can see whether they possess them or not. Well, that already puts you, you know, way ahead of the game. There are all kinds of studies, I mean, that show, you know, if you just do interviews, it's 40% successful. If you do interviews and you introduce other steps, you know, and then ultimately the last step when you, inter- when, if you introduce psychometric testing, it bumps up the success rate to 75%. Uh, you know, and what I always caution, you know, people and clients and, you know, myself is that never lose sight of no matter what the assessment says, there's also the human element. And, you know, you, so you don't want to lose sight of that. It's sort of the 80, 20, you know, you trust this assessment 80%, but humanize the relationship 20%. So, but, you know, you bring up an excellent point and that is, I think understanding what it really gives you. And I know again, early on in my exposure to this, uh, something was said that was really powerful. And that is, this is more about telling you someone who won't be successful in that role than it is that will. And more specifically, what he said was, okay, if there's 10 candidates for a sales or project management role or some sort of administrative role, it will tell you the four that will not be successful based on their profile. And therefore, your chance is now one in six, not one in 10. So it increases the odds. It does not tell you who's going to be the rock star. Yeah, you know, that's a great point, Mark. And, and, you know, listen, sales is always a numbers game, as is anything in life. I mean, one of the things, to your point, one of the things, you know, we can do with my assessment, we do have, we do do uh, have clients do this. We can take five of the most successful salespeople, do their profile and create a successful profile based on your top performers. We can also do the reverse. We can take your, you know, the five bottom, create a profile and say, these are the people that, you know, this profile is what we will never hire to. We might make comp, you know, we may look at the other ones differently, but here's rock bottom core, you know, that we're not going to hire to. So anytime you can put a little bit of science, hiring, managing people, building teams, building culture, there's always an art and science. They're, they're both. So anytime you can introduce a little bit of science assessments into the art of building a team and hiring and building a culture within the organization, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for a company to go from good to great. Um, Let's talk, let's, let's kind of converse a little bit, Jeff, about specific roles, because, you know, in, in, let's say remodeling businesses, you know, it's oftentimes you have a relatively small business that they want to bring in someone, let's say in sales because in addition to the owner, they need to grow and have a little bit more bandwidth there. So let's just talk about, based on your knowledge experience, kind of the difference in terms of kind of the profile, or oftentimes I call it DNA, because, you know, people understand at least what that is. And I know it's not exactly DNA, but talk to us about the difference between, let's say, a sales profile versus a project manager profile? Um, well, certainly with the sales profile, and, and this is going to be a general statement, then we can talk a little bit more because it becomes quite interesting, actually. Uh, you know, I want to be looking at things like energy level, 
I want to be think, looking at things like assertiveness. Um, I want to be looking at independence. Um, and I'm looking for specific, you know, placement on that. With project management, it's the same thing. I just, I'm, I might be, I'm looking for a different placement. Uh, if I'm looking for at, at a project manager, I don't want to see necessarily an energy level of eight or nine because I need them to be more methodical in how they're going to go about doing their job. I want, I want to know that they're going to be able to sit down with a project and work it without looking for the next thing to do. Right. So I want somebody more patient, more methodical with a, with a salesperson, depending on the uh, type of sales, but as a general rule, I want somebody with a high energy level, with a high endurance and capacity for a fast pace, who can make 20 stops in a day or 30 stops in a day. Again, depending. But where it gets really interesting, and I really you know, appreciate your feedback on this, uh, if I have a client that's doing, let's say, landscape design, and their sales cycle is, let's say, six weeks, I'm going to look for a different profile than if I have a client who's selling windows and it's in and out. Right. Dif different, different system, different culture of sales. So I'm able to pinpoint as an organization, well, based on the culture, but also based on the type of sales, what am I looking for? So that's, you know, by, by way of, by way of example. Yeah. And I think also just to expand on that a little bit and everyone obviously has been, they kind of been exposed to the topic, but what I find with a lot of owners, especially, you know, it's almost like a software in a way. They only use 20% of what they can do with Builder Trend or 20% what you can do with QuickBooks. That if you can go deep enough, and I'm not talking about get your master's degree, because obviously you've got experts like yourself that you can kind of weave in to help you understand certain things. But if you can go deep enough, you can really start to understand not just picking the right person but how do you go about coaching them to be successful? You know, you can look at your profile and their profile and find ways that you can communicate better. You can look at your profile, like this company in Rhode Island I work with, they have profiles of all their folks. And we, on a regular basis, the owner and I, we actually spend time talking about the dynamic of the team in terms of the profiles and how they overlap and where they would be more effective. But just like the example with other software, that if you just, to your point about even the iceberg, if you're just at the tip of the iceberg and not going a little bit below the water, uh, you're really, I think it, it remains kind of mysterious. And usually if something that's mysterious, you end up bailing on it and then making mistakes. Well, and I think usually, you know, to, to your point, Mark, when people are, when, when they're making things mysterious, it's because they're trying to protect something. Like they're afraid to give away the, you know, the, 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 the secret sauce. And, you know, my, my sense is that if you have a tool that can give you a, a lot of valuable, useful information that really is easily understandable, why overcomplicate it? You know, so what I'll do with my clients, for instance, depending on the size of the company, but one of my larger clients, uh, we've we've probably assessed, forgetting about in the hiring process, but just amongst the C-suite, 30 people, 25 to 30 people, um, you know, and I regularly run team reports based on everybody. You know, that entire team of 20 or 25 or 30, here's where everybody is. And we'll get together and spend two hours as a team just talking it through. And not in highfalutin scientific language. It's like, 
okay, well, it says that so-and-so is overly assertive and that might play out by shutting down other people's opinions. Is that playing out at all? And we have a conversation around it without the drama, without the accusation, without the, you know, all that stuff of feeling accused because it's all good stuff and it's all objectively placed. So it's not meant to, it's a, all it's meant is to grow the organization and to grow the individuals in a positive way. So yeah, your you point is spot on. You know, it's it's there, there's so many good uses of 80-20 in that, you know, you spend 80% of your time on 20% of the people. You have 80% of your revenue come from 20% of your people. So, you know, one of the conversations I often have, and you probably do as well, Jeff, with, you know, some of your clients that you work with, is when there's either an individual or a couple of individuals struggling in sales one of the first questions I will ask if I if it's a relatively new relationship is, well, have you profiled them? And they will oftentimes say no or or he and ha, yeah, we did it, but it was two, three years ago or whatever. And then my follow up to that is, uh, you know, before we invest kind of more poker chips into kind of a prescription or remedy, Let's at least see where we stand, because if that person's profile is not what it should be, then you probably want to look for another seat in the bus or an exit strategy and not try to fix something that fundamentally shouldn't even be fixed. Any comments, experiences in that regard? Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of a spin or veer off of what you're saying, but it's along the same the same track. Um, client of mine, we had uh, you know a person in sales. I invested a fair amount of time and energy with him, uh, and he was doing okay. But the sense was that he just wasn't hitting potential. So when I came in, one of the first things we did was we did work the assessment with him. And one of the things that came across is that his sociability interaction with people was extremely high. It was like an eight or a nine, which sometimes you think, well, we want that in a, in a salesperson, the gift of gab. So I went out sometimes, sometimes. So I went on a couple of sales calls with him just to sort of observe it. And when we got back, clearly what was happening was he was talking and interacting so much. He was missing all the buying signals. He was so busy about asking about, you know, the weekend or to see the football game or how the kid's doing. And, you know, when people were ready to say, that's great, but let's get down to business. He kept on going. So that was a situation where he was open to the coaching and he had, he had the basic sales skills. That was just one piece. So by making that one piece, he went from being the sixth salesman in the company to the number two salesperson. You don't always have that kind of success, but if there's something available that could put you into that position, why not take advantage of it? And, and to your point early, which I think is really critical is, you know, we have all these tools, but we only use 20% of it. And that's because we're so busy moving on to the next thing. It's like slow down sometimes in order to speed up. I, I think you taught me that. <laughs> well, you know, going back to some of these different tools and maybe we can help help our listeners understand them a little bit better. You know, I, I feel at least like, okay, there's a couple of the tools I feel <clears throat> pretty literate and, and, and can converse in, but then there's others that are kind of cousins. Uh, but then there's others that like going to a doctor, you know, you can get pretty serious MRIs that 
tell you a lot more. Uh, talk to us a, a little bit about, you know, all profiling, all profiling systems are not created equal. And, you know, Jeff, without getting too much into the into the uh, 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 kind of technical elements of it, how can you kind of articulate, let's say the difference between, let's say a disc or a McQuaig versus mm -hmm. some of the other tools that allow you to go much deeper? Uh, the, well, again, psychometric, te psychometric testing will always go deeper than, person than personality testing. Um, both have their place. So disc, you would classify more as personality. Yeah, that's like a, it's a four quadrant personality where yeah, you know, and there are others like Myers Briggs, and there are all kinds out there. You know, fish, horse. I mean, it, it's you know, people are having all kinds of fun with it, which is great. But the bottom line uh, advice I would give if you're using it either as a hiring tool and or talent evaluator, growing your people tool, make sure that it's accredited and that the accreditation is current. Um, for instance, the one that I use, because we can use it legally in the hiring process, it has to have a credit, it, it has to have accreditation, but from the Department of Labor, which means every three to five years, the science has to be updated. And there are assessment tools out there that purport to be, you know, state of the art, but they're not, they haven't been accredited in 20 years. So that would be my first, my first piece of advice. Good advice. That, that they're accredited. And then beyond that is, you know, kick the tires. So see what's out there. See what's comfortable for you as the business owner or as, as your man, you know, the, the person who's going to be working with the sales team or, or team with the, make sure the language, you're comfortable with the language, you're comfortable with your understanding of it. You're comfortable with the people, the vendor themselves, who's going to be working with you on it. Um, there's, there are so many assessments out there, but the accreditation is my number one, uh, advice above and beyond everything else. Just make sure it's current. You know, and again, I go back to this, you know, a lot of people only get into kind of the tip of the iceberg or 20% into it. <clears throat> Some of the better companies I will say that I interact with, they use it not only to your point about you know hiring and recruiting, but they also make it an interactive part of the coaching. And the only way to make it an interactive part of the coaching is making having the individual understand their profile just as much as the coach or the boss understanding it. How oh, would absolutely. you recommend you know uh, engaging or conversing with your team member utilizing a, uh, you know, a profiling tool. Yeah. I mean, for instance, again, you know, just from my own personal experience, cause that's what I can best draw on. Um, when we do assessments, for instance, in the hiring process, if that person is hired within the first month, once they're, you know, onboarded, I'll sit down with them one-on-one -on -one and go over their assessment with them. And we'll start coaching it from that, from that point on. Um, I always encourage team members to be sharing the information. That's why we have the team reports. We have manager, managerial reports that we can do, that we can create, you know, based Mark, you're my manager. Well, here's your assessment. Here's my assessment. How best to manage me. But we don't keep it a secret that only Mark knows. Jeff knows it too. And we sit down and talk about it. 
So this is all great information and, and why not use it? Because it can only help further personal growth, which therefore translates to department growth, which translates to company growth. You know, I think where I also became really committed to this is I actually had some of my folks in in HR and 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 in management do some analysis uh, many many years ago on what's the cost when someone doesn't work out. You yeah. know, because I think one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have is they say, you know, oh, paying you know two five. $600 for, you know, having this assessment done, it's, you know, it's really an expense. But then the analysis that we did, on average, we were spending twenty five dollars to $50,000 as a result of someone not working out. So, you know, if you can figure out a way to kind of crack the code and have your team being all, you know, A players profiled the right way, you know, it's really a, you know, an insurance policy. It's an investment. It's not really an expense. And I would almost argue it's kind of like if you feel like you broke your arm, you say, well, you know, it's not worth it to me to go to get my uh, an X-ray on it or something. Uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you, you, you know, have major challenges later. Yeah. And I think that was pretty progressive of you to, to, you know, to recognize that, um, you know, one of the, I mean, I actually work, th I'll work this through with clients You know, say, okay, so what are your pre-employment costs, right? What are your employment costs once you bring them on? Uh, what's it costing you to support that person for the first 90 days? And then what are all the intangible costs in terms of morale of team and instability and turnover of staff? And even, not even, but with a position that isn't an executive position, you know, it could be an office manager position. It's still going to cost you thirty to thirty-five to forty thousand dollars over that first 90, 90 day period. So understanding exactly that this is if you if you're viewing assessments as an expense, you shouldn't be thinking about it yet because you haven't evolved to the point where you can fully utilize it. You know, it's like accountants who tell you that marketing is an expense as opposed to an investment. It's an investment. If, if it's going to pay back on return, you know, if the ROI is going to be there and we can prove it, that's how you need to look at it. And if you're not ready to look at it there that way yet, you're not ready to use it because you won't, you'll, you'll, you'll only use the 20% of it if you do it all. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, you know, thinking even about your, your ROI comment, I was, on a call uh, the other day with someone and talk, he talked about the return on happiness. And I thought yeah. more and said, you know, with, there's really three levels of return. There's return on investment. That's the hard dollars. There's return on energy that we talk about, which is the time and sweat and energy and stress you put. And there's also return on happiness. The last thing that you want, you know, as it relates to what we're talking about today is, you know, is to not have kind of the outcomes that you want. So, Jeff, any quick kind of final comments and then I'll wrap up Remodeling Mastery's series today. No, I think, you know, in where we're at now and the state of business now and all the challenges that we're facing and all the opportunities that come as a result, there's so much emphasis and science being done on 
human intelligence and emotional intelligence and what that can bring into an organization. That if you're not using assessments in your business, you really should be investigating the benefit of what it would look like if you did so. Um, so, you know, I, I think. Excellent. Yeah. We're living in a times where you need to be doing things differently also. So uh, consider the use of assessments as a, as a way of doing something different within your business if you're not using them. Excellent. Well, I want to thank my guest today, Jeff Miller. He is with the uh, JM uh, Consulting Alliance. Uh, he's not only an expert in uh, profiling and profiling systems, but also, you know, works with individual companies on, you know, overall uh, advisory and, and, and coaching. So uh, if you do have a question or an issue, I certainly encourage uh, filter it back to me and I'll get it certainly to Jeff to be able to help you. Uh, but also I want to thank my supporters with Remodeling Mastery, with NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler, uh, and all of my friends there, and certainly my friends at, you know, Engage and Surefire and Leap and others that, you know, are certainly very supportive of taking your business to the next level. So take care, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.